0: All right, we are recording live now. I am Charles Musgrove with Bean Team and your host of Business Matters. This is the show that we talk about the issues that matter to your business. On previous podcast, we talked about weed in the workplace. That's with the uh, medical marijuana, legalizing of medical marijuana in the state of Florida that changes the relationship of the employer and the employee. Listen to that show to find out how you should protect yourself, how to, how to prevent unwanted lawsuits or or problems in the workplace we've talked about wills and trust what are they do you need one listen to the expert as we discuss those important matters we talk about cybersecurity. you know that's an issue everybody's trying to hack into your business and get a hold of your assets get a hold of your data so we talk with ben graybar about how to protect yourself what to look for because you've got hacks coming from inside and outside the business so uh Listen to that show. We've actually had two shows on that, so much data on that information. So today we are going to talk with uh, Steve Hogan of the Osley Law Firm. He's got some really good information to share with us on sales tax. And, you know, sales tax, is uh, that covers a a wide area. So uh, we're going to try to narrow it down in the first show. Steve, thanks for uh, joining us today. This is not the first time you've been on one of our shows, but thanks for coming back. Sure thing
1: thanks for having me on. So
0: uh, we're doing a little uh, pre-roll here before the recording of the the radio show, and this is for exclusive for the podcast. So Steve, we're gonna set the show up that we're gonna record for the for the radio show, and this is some good information so we can talk about the the different items out there, the different sales tax issues that we see businesses have that are selling goods. In multiple states, we also have on the the other side of that the consumer or the business that's buying goods from multiple states. Then we have um, this may be a third show into itself where we talk about uh, sales tax, uh, rental sales tax. So if you're a business owner and you also own the building that your business is in, the issues there with uh, renting to yourself, uh, does the business own the building? The issues. Uh, present with that situation so there's a lot to talk about with sales tax and and uh, I always say that uh, sales tax is probably as complicated or more complicated than the IRS code uh, you've got multiple states that it, that you're dealing with and you've got different rules in every state so what do you say Steve?
1: <laughs> uh- I think you're right that uh, it's a big deal, and it's something that every business is going to have to deal with one way or the other, uh, whether or not that business that's in Florida is selling a product that's uh, taxable or not. Because even if they're not selling uh, something that's um, tangible personal property, you know, a thing that would be uh, normally taxable, you're going to run into issues even with the things that you're buying as a business, and do you owe a use tax on it? Uh, which we can get into, um, and you and I um, have worked together over the years, so we've been through some battles together, um, and uh, so there's a lot of different directions we can take this. So um, I'll I'll throw the ball back to you, uh, just just point me in a direction, Charles, and and, and let me know where you want to go.
0: All right, so let's. Um... For all you out there, you know that the uh, we're going to our radio show was 22 minutes. So we're going to let's let's frame the topic that we're going to tackle in that first segment, that first 22, 23 minutes. And let's let's focus on the the business that's selling in multiple states. And I think we have a a uh, a ruling or a recent tax law on that that may be nationwide or, or is it just in the state of Florida that deals with the Wayfair
1: ruling? Um, the, the Wayfair case was from the US Supreme Court it uh, came out um, uh, as we sit here in 2019 it came out last year uh, last June June 2018 and uh, it it changed things forever for the way that sales and the use tax uh, are uh, uh, the, the way that uh, state sales and use tax is handled all across the country. Now, uh, I'm going to back off a little bit from the word forever because you never know. That is that's a that's a big <laughs> statement. That's but you never say never, right? But it's it's a huge change about uh, to the way things have worked for the past um, you know twenty some odd years. Okay, and um, I, I think you mentioned it, but uh, I'm with the Oslin McMillan firm uh, here in Tallahassee, Florida, and I have uh, written and spoken a lot about. Uh, Uh, tax law things and specifically about Wayfair. And I've got an article that, um, if if your people are interested in checking out, they can uh, go to my, uh, law firm's website, osley.com. That's A-U-S-L-E-Y. If you find my profile there, there's a publications tab and it's right at the top. And, uh, it's all about this Wayfair case. So, um, that was something that was published in the Florida Bar Journal. Um, so if you want to go on an even deeper dive, you can go check that out. But, um, so, so let's, let's talk about, so what was Wayfair? What's the big deal? Um, and feel free to rein me in at any point here, Charles, okay? Yeah, let's uh, let's, save, let's <laughs>
0: save the real meat once we, once we launch into this. So, okay. I uh, think—
1: let, let, let me give you the— let me Give, give me you the teaser. Let me give you the meme, okay? okay? sounds good. <laughs> the, the, the little tagline is—and this is a, actually the, the title of a, a webinar I'm giving later this month— uh, Life After Wayfair, Multi-State Tax Problems for Everyone— Wow. So now every business potentially has multi-state tax problems that didn't exist before, and they were magically created by the U.S. Supreme Court in June 2018.
0: Wow. Now that is a tease that
1: uh, that's going to live forever, right? <laughs> you got it, as long as you have this uh, re- recording uh, served up somewhere. All right. It's recorded. So uh, with that,
0: let's, uh, let's get started recording the, uh, the radio show. So we're going to hear some music, and then we're going to come back, and we're going to get right into the Wayfair case good morning and welcome back for another exciting episode of business matters i'm your host charles musgrove with the bean team And just like all the other shows, we are locked and loaded for some great information. Today, we've got Steve Hogan from the Osley McMullen Law Firm here in Tallahassee, Florida. And we got him to talk about sales tax. Yes, I know tax is never a good thing you want to talk about, but it's better to know than not to know. And we're going to take a deep dive into sales tax. So, Steve, welcome back to the show. I know this is going to be another great show. You're going to bring us some good knowledge. Uh, you always make these shows uh, not only informative, but they're exciting. So I like how you deliver the the message to us. You deliver those nuggets. So let's talk about uh, sales tax as it relates to the business that sells in multiple states. And I'm going to throw a word out that I see. It's a business that I see on TV advertising all the time, and I've bought stuff from that. My wife has bought stuff from this place. It's called Wayfair. So <laughs> I know that you tease the show before the show that's heard on the podcast, but you talked about something that's gonna be a I think you used the word forever. So <laughs> I know I know you use that that very uh, hesitantly, but you did say the word forever and that this this ruling by the United States Supreme Court has changed how businesses report sales tax across all the United States.
1: Well it should. <laughs> now, the question is are they? It should. <laughs> right. and, and if you're a business and you've never heard of this decision, uh, you may want to run to your to your uh, run and hug your CPA and uh, have a serious conversation because the U.S. Supreme Court made a big problem for you in June of last year, uh, whether you know it or not. Steve, I like those words when you
0: said run and hug your cpa so bring it on
1: <laughs> well absolutely and charles i appreciate the work that you do i, I appreciate cpas that i work with because i am not a cpa I, I don't play one on tv but and you're an attorney i am an attorney but uh you know uh, cpas and attorneys uh, in the tax world do very different things um and they approach things from different perspectives and um i think uh, a business is well served to have a tax attorney uh working closely with their cpa uh, no matter what their business is agree um now let's uh let's talk a little bit about um wayfair and sales tax and use tax and and what is all this stuff okay um you know, where, uh, where our firm is, Ozzy McMullen here in Tallahassee, Florida, you know, we're right in the state capital. So we work very closely with uh, with businesses that have issues with the Florida Department of Revenue. And we've done that for years. We've been through battles with you and your clients um, uh, solving those types of problems. Um, it helps to have us here in Tallahassee because we know the people face-to-face that we're dealing with over at DOR.
0: And we like those people at DOR. This, absolutely this, this is not a this is not a bad thing against department of revenue
1: no not at all i mean some some law firms uh, some people out there in the world uh make uh make it their business model to you know trash the department of revenue because they uh, i don't know i'm not gonna decide why they do it but it's dumb because uh, all it does is give you a bad relationship with people you need to work with exactly. uh, to solve the problems okay so we uh So in in doing that over the years, we had certain uh, things that we all knew to be true. And one of those things that we all knew to be true in in the realm of sales and use tax is that if a business did not have a physical presence within a state, if they were just selling things online or through the mail order or what have you, then there was a constitutional safe harbor that prevented that state that they were shipping things into from requiring that business to collect or emit any sales or use tax uh, on those sales.
0: So if I bought goods
1: from, this is before
0: Amazon, but Sears and Roebuck. So if back when they had a mail order, so if I ordered stuff from them, they shipped it to me. I probably didn't pay sales tax.
1: You probably didn't, but uh, you, you you probably owed a use tax. That's true. <laughs> Let, let's keep focused on the uh, before we flip over to use taxes that makes it a little bit more complicated, let's let's focus on the sell the uh the businesses selling the some. Selling, right. Okay. Let's let's stay on the selling side. So the way things were since uh, the early nineties um, was was all based on a U.S. Supreme Court case called Quill Corp versus the State of North Dakota. And what that was was a decision that uh, where the U.S. Supreme Court decided that um, based on the Constitution, uh, based on uh, the dormant commerce clause in the Constitution, which we don't have to get into unless you want to, um, that uh, there was a limitation on the power of a state to force a business that was selling things to that state's reven- residence to collect or remit sales tax. And what the U.S. Supreme Court did in the Quill case is they drew what we call in the legal world a bright line. And what's that bright line mean? It means this is a clear border. So if you do not have any physical presence within a state, that's the bright line then the state cannot, as a matter of constitutional law, force you as the business to collect sales tax or remit sales tax on your sales to state residents. That's the bright line. Now that bright line had some fuzzy edges, I like to say, because what's physical presence? okay? That was always the battleground. but we always took that for granted. It's like, all right, so no physical presence then uh, uh, within a state then you know that state can't do anything. About, no tax. Uh, well, they can't force the business to collect or remit the tax. Okay. okay. Now what did Wayfair do? Well, Wayfair blew that up. That bright line has been erased. The safe harbor of physical presence has been blown up. It's no longer there. Now uh, we can get into why, but um, so this was an action brought by Wayfair. Uh, no, this was an action brought by the state of South Dakota because they wanted to collect tax. Yeah, let's 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 back up a little bit and talk about how this even came about. Um, and uh, this is in the uh, this is. I wrote a, a detailed article about this that you can get on my law firm's website. It's ausley.com, A-U-S-L-E-Y.com. Uh, just look for my profile under the publications tab. There's an article right at the top that's all about this, okay? Good. So if you want more detail, more citations, you know, everything I'm saying is backed up by that. Good, okay? good information. So let's go back to the early 90s, what, what I said with the Quill case, okay? So that decision came out in the early 90s. I want to say 92, but I'm not looking at my notes, so <laughs> don't quote me. It's close enough. Early 90s. And uh, – So that decision made it clear that states could not uh, effectively force an Internet retailer um, to collect or emit sales tax on on their sales to state residents if that retailer didn't have any physical presence. Okay, All right. So that's that is what it was. What else happened in the early 90s? Well, you had a little startup company called Amazon right. locate out in the state of Washington, remote, low population, specifically because they knew that they could ship books. You know, they started out just with books um, to state re- uh, to residents of um People who lived all across the country, and they would have no tax collection responsibilities because they had no other physical presence. That's right, and this is explicit in the decisions that um, Jeff Bezos uh, made when he was uh, starting Amazon up. I mean, this is well documented um, that they they make a lot of they made a lot of their early decisions based on tax law, tax considerations. So. Um, so you had, uh, and Amazon wasn't the only internet retailer that was starting up at this time. I mean, um, for those of us old enough to remember what life was like back in the early '90s, the idea that you would buy something with your credit card number over the internet—like, what are you even talking oh, about? Oh yeah, that's that's Don't that's do madness. That. You know, now it's like if I can't do that, I'm like, what what is wrong with you? You right. know, so so much has changed. So you had that internet uh, commerce that was starting to grow, and then it really blew up in the early 2000s, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, those of us that lived through it will remember it. And what else happened in the early 2000s? Well, you had an economic recession hitting at, the, at just that same time, right. okay? So now you have state governments who can't print money. I mean, they're not the federal government. Right. federal government can print, print money, <laughs> you know, just, you know, they're not going to run out, right? But a state can't do that. A state actually has to balance their budgets. So you had states that were running out of money, So they went looking for money. They did. And, um, you know, I'm not making this up. This is not a story, okay? This is well-documented, and you can find citations to things in, in that article I mentioned. So what states started to do is look around is like, well, wait a minute, we're losing so many state, uh, so much state revenue. And what are these online companies? They don't have to pay tax uh, on their sales or they don't have to collect tax on sales to our state residents. And they're making all this money. What's what the heck is going on? So what started to happen is that states started to pass um, uh, laws aimed at Quill. Um, They were colloquially I'm not saying that right. They were commonly known. Let me just use That's an easier better. word. I'm going to use an easier word. Yes, <laughs> uh, commonly known as Amazon laws uh, because you know Amazon's the big target, right? Right. And what states started to do was uh, to come up with hyper creative ways to get around the Quill decision um, and uh, and try to force a tax uh, collection or remittance responsibility on these internet retailers. Okay. Now those of us in the in the biz you know in the in the tax law business especially state and local tax law business as i am expected legal challenges to these amazon laws and expected at some point that the u.s supreme court would take the quill decision back up based on a challenge to one of these laws and then say whether quill is still blessed Relevant. as the right law right right Be, you know the internet sort of changed things right so um the the law that's um that the u.s supreme court took up that everyone expected them to address quill in was a reporting requirement law out of the state of colorado and what that was it was one of these amazon laws that's creatively to get away around quill and that didn't force a tax remittance responsibility on a retailer that it was selling to colorado residents it required a reporting duty for that seller, they said if you were above a certain threshold, then you, as the retailer, had to just tell the state of Colorado who bought what and Reporting, how much. Reporting, but not remitting tax. That's right. And uh, on its face, it's like, well, that's not a tax collection responsible. So it's not Quill. So it's fine. But I mean, you look at it, yeah, come on, it's close enough. It's the same thing, right? Mm-hmm. So um, it was challenged. In, in the courts, and then it got all the way up to the U.S. Supreme Court, and everybody thought, all oh, right, we're going to find out if Quill's good law or not. Well, the U.S. Supreme Court punted. This is the case of DMA versus Broll. Okay, B-R-O-H-L. And uh, the the main decision is a, a hyper technical decision that's uh, only interesting if you're if you're really interested in the Tax Injunction Act. <laughs> okay, it's <laughs> it's it's mind numbing unless you have a real reason to care about that. Um, but if you're a Tax Injunction Act junkie, it's wonderful. That, that
0: narrowed our audience down very, very.
1: Oh man, we only got the real tax nerds <laughs> on now, man. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I tell you, you know, you said tax law is not interesting. Psh, no it is. way. Yeah, I, right. I love it. I love it. <laughs> Uh, anyway, so the main decision, punted on the Quill decision, didn't do anything with Quill. But there was a concurring opinion. And um, as as your audience will know, there's nine justices on the U.S. Supreme Court. And all you need to get a decision out is a majority, right? Right. But um, judges can also write, even if they vote with the majority, they can write a concurring opinion. They said, yeah, I agree with the judgment. I agree with the main opinion. But I also have some other things to say, okay? And Justice Kennedy... Uh, Wrote a concurring opinion in the DMA versus Broll case, where he invited, he invited Charles, a state to violate Quill on purpose, so that the U.S. Supreme Court would get a case where they could re-examine Quill. So he lined it up. He lined it
0: up. Man, you gotta love that.
1: Yeah, and you know, I'm. uh, What I call it is Justice Kennedy's invitation to chaos. I wrote Very that good. in the Florida Bar Journal, Charles. Uh, I like that. And, you, and this is what he said. I actually got the quote here. <laughs> given the cha- This is what Kennedy, uh, Kennedy said. He said, given the changes in technology and consumer sophistication, it is unwise to delay any longer a reconsideration of the courts holding in Quill dot 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 the legal system should find an appropriate case for this court to re-examine quill there it is how does the legal system find a case to re-examine quill they've you have to have somebody violate the law and then have to have a legal dispute about that violation that is exactly what happened and in that article i mentioned uh, i have a subtitle called states behaving badly and that's exactly what happened
0: awesome how long did it take after he wrote that concurring opinion before it was back at the Supreme Court?
1: Uh, less than a year. Wow. That's fast. Yeah, I would think that's fast. It was very fast. I mean, you had states almost immediately, um, I say less than a year, it could have been less than two years, but it was a very abbreviated time period. Um, the You had states uh, almost immediately uh, passing anti-Quill laws that were set up directly and expressly to violate Quill on purpose and get a quick hearing and right. get up to the U.S. Supreme Court. Because
0: that, that was their chance for additional revenue.
1: That's right. That's right. And you had several states doing this. It wasn't just one. Um, you had Wyoming, South Dakota, even Alabama was in on it, a whole bunch of them. And they had different variations. South Dakota's is the one that made it up to the U.S. Supreme Court. And uh, it was egregious in, in the way it violated, quote, because it basically said, you know, we're going to uh, do an illegal tax assessment, but we're not going to collect any of it. We just want to get a we want to get a a court decision about it declaring it unconstitutional and then we want to appeal it to the US Supreme Court. I mean, I, I've never seen anything like that in my career. That's awesome. I never even read about that in law school. I mean, that is wild. But that's exactly what happened. And when the uh and the unlucky companies that got hit with it had to go fight it, so they had the privilege of fighting this case all the way up to the U.S. Supreme Court, and Wayfair was the main company. There were others involved, but mainly Wayfair.
0: What? Why did the, it just Amazon? Why would
1: Amazon not be the one? They weren't sued by South Dakota. Interesting. <laughs> so, so they picked on poor Wayfair. Poor old, poor, poor little Wayfair. Yeah, I think Newegg was in there too. Newegg's always in the middle of this, um, in these types of cases. Do they even
0: exist anymore?
1: Um, I think so. Okay. You know, back in the day uh, when I was into building computers. Uh, I, I bought uh, quite a bit from Newegg, but right. you know, I don't build a computer anymore. I haven't heard Newegg in a long time, so i <laughs> just, just curious. Yeah, they're still out there. Sidetrack. Um Anyway, so um, Wayfair, the, the main decision was written by, you want to guess what, Justice? Justice Kennedy. That's right, and he retired right after it. Awesome. So
0: that was the,
1: the decision to go out on yeah, the he, one he wanted. He wanted it. He called for it. You know, he makes it. He's. Uh, I call it Kennedy drops the mic. Yeah. You know. Uh, Done. At least I put that in some texts and emails. To so brands. tell us. Tell us what what came out of that Wayfair decision. All right. So what what did the Wayfair decision do? Well, that bright line safe harbor is no longer there. So that means that um, any uh, any retailer that sells anything online through the mails into any state potentially has a tax collection and responsibility in every state they ship to. All right. Now what's the standard? Cause you have to have um, a constitutionally it, it, still under the constitution. I mean, constitution hasn't changed. Okay? Right. Right. So the, the underpinnings of Quill was that there is a constitutional standard you had to meet before a state could impose a tax collection or responsibility. Right. Dollar amount. Um, well, um, under, under Quill, it was all about physical presence. Mm-hmm. Okay. And in Wayfair, What the South Dakota statute that was at issue in the case did was they said if you had 200 sales in the state of South Dakota or, not an and, but an or, $100,000 worth of sales within a year. Dollars or quantity of sales. That's right. um, Then you you were subject to the South Dakota law. And the U.S. Supreme Court effectively said that, yeah, that's close enough. So... um, but they didn't say that that's the standard. They just said that well, that one looks close enough, okay. And they didn't—they did not decide whether there was um, other constitutional arguments you could raise against that standard. But effectively, uh, that wayfair, two hundred transactions or a hundred thousand dollars worth of sales has become the de facto standard um, to to think about because it's at least been um, implicitly blessed by the U.S. Supreme Court.
0: So that's the guideline that's in place.
1: Yeah. Uh, well. That's, that's the one that was blessed by the U.S. Supreme Court, and then the question is, well, what other factors might impact it, okay? So now the next question that you might ask me, I don't want to put a question in your mouth, but um, is, well, what do you do? What do you do to report that? Yeah, wh- how do you handle this, right? Um, Which state collects it. Right. Uh, here's, here's the general um, thing that I've been doing with clients, um, and of course – None of this is legal advice. <laughs> but, but back
0: so the the difficulty is knowing how much should be coming into the state.
1: Um, uh, let, let me let me frame it this way, okay? So if you're a business or, or you're advising a business, okay, um, and uh, they they come to you and they're uh, or if your business is thinking about this, well, what do I even do? Well, um, what I've been doing is a, uh, a system of triage, essentially. Because, uh, any business should be able to break out. Where their sales are, sure. Um, by uh, by number and dollar amount, uh, by state. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that should be a fairly um, a fairly simple um, process to go through without a lot of man hours, right? right? Depending on your uh, record keeping system. Okay, and what that well that will give you is, and you can do like a one year window. Just do a one year look back. Um, again, it's not legal advice. It's just like practically, you know, um, is a place to start. It's like, okay, that will give you a sense of what states you have 200 or more transactions in or 200 or more sales in, and that will give you a sense of what the dollar amount is in each state. And you can just assume at first that any that you have 200 sales or more in – or $100,000 or more in within that 12-month period that you might have a problem. Right. Okay? If you have one sale for 10 bucks in, you know, Georgia, who cares? Right. Okay? Um, at least as a threshold matter. So that will give you a, a list of the states you might have a problem in. Right. Well, then what do you do? Well... Then you go call your tax lawyer and or your CPA, hopefully both, and um, you say that, hey, I might have problems in these states. Let's uh, we need to look now at what those states actually require. Because here's what states have been doing. States have been passing laws that define what their nexus standard is. Not every state has done that. Florida has not done that. Okay. So Florida's still kind of woo-wooshy woozy, wooshy-, wooshy vague, you know, in the gray. Uh, as to uh, whether the Wayfair standard is actually going to be applicable in Florida? Okay, there was a there was a bill that was floating through the legislature last year that was going to. Um, when you say the Wayfair standard, you mean the two hundred? That's right, the two thousand. Okay, that's right, the two hundred transactions are the or the hundred thousand uh, dollars in a year. Right. And there was a bill that was going through the legislature last year, did not pass. That was going to clarify what the Florida standard was. Now, various states have already passed things that tell you what the what their nexus standard is, and um, those states that have pass those standards um uh, those laws that define it make your job easier because then you can see uh what the next standard is and whatever the state is and then you can see whether you meet it or not and some of those states have higher nexus standards than the wayfair case so you have some that are you know 500 transactions five hundred thousand dollars. some of them are are an and and not an or so you have to meet both the transaction threshold and a dollar amount threshold um so you, you have to look at every state individually. And once you do that, then you can go back to your data set where you have all your sales and, and transactions to states and find out, all right, these were the pro- states that I thought I might have a problem in. Now I have a subset of that. Maybe it's all of them. But right. Maybe it's just a subset. Now I know the states that I actually have a problem in. Okay? And then the question is, well, uh, how do I handle compliance? Right. And that's going to be a state-by-state Um, differential inquiry, and that's largely going to be CPA function.
0: So you've got a, how do we deal with what's already happened, and how do we deal Mm -hmm. with, going forward, it should be pretty simple.
1: Right. Um, I would would expect, I have not heard, okay, uh, of any state being aggressively retroactive in their application of Wayfair. One open issue in, uh, in the Wayfair decision was whether or not it was retroactive. Because they didn't say, well, going forward, you know, that physical presence safe harbor uh, doesn't apply. No, they just said, there's no physical presence safe harbor in the Constitution. So this is what it is. This so, is what it is. And it's always been that way. We were just mistaken. <laughs> well, I
0: guess for the taxpayer, that's, um, that's good. I mean, you've got some, some argument point there on, on how far to go back, if you go back at all. Um,
1: technically, <laughs> technically give okay. Me okay. The, give me well, well well here's here's the danger and this is this is what I say when I haven't seen any state being super aggressive. Um, let, let's just take Florida as an example okay and uh, most states are like this um, if you were required to file a return a tax return a sales and use tax return and you didn't file the sales tax return, has your statute of limitations no. even started to run? And no. the answer is no. Right. And it's the same. You know, that's the same as the federal tax. Uh, the the federal standard. You know, right. um, you can't like wait out the IRS and like, well, you know, they're not going to get me now because I never filed a return. No, you're still liable for that. And that's tax. For,
0: and that's in each one of those states. That's Just right. Just because you filed in Florida when you had a Georgia issued.
1: That's, that's right. So under Wayfair, under one reading of it, you could say that. Every business in the country now has an open several years of liability in every single state they've ever sold into. Because they've never filed in those states. That's right. But has any state taken that interpretation of Wayfair? Not that I know of. I think it'd be a very aggressive and kind of silly position to take. Um, so uh, I think most responsible businesses could make as an assumption um, that they, if they do compliance on a go-forward basis, that's probably going to be good enough. But, of course... You never know what a state's going to do in an audit, and there are other ways to handle those problems.
0: Yeah. Steve, that is, uh, that's is—that's more information than I thought was out there about Wayfair. So uh, I don't know about you or the listeners out there, but when I see a Wayfair commercial or in the future, <laughs> I'm going to think of this conversation we've had about the Wayfair decision, Justice Kennedy, how he invited that change, the chaos that he created, and the <laughs> How the the uh, the dollars and the revenues increase substantially for each state based on the Wayfair decision. So uh, plus it probably also helps some attorneys out with additional fees and some CPAs <laughs> out there. So uh, good job, Justice Kennedy. And then he dropped the mic and he retired. So that's right, Steve. This has been another great show on Business Matters. Thank you so much for bringing your knowledge, your entertainment value to Business Matters. I'm your host, Charles Musgrove. Listen again next Sunday at 11.30 a.m. right here on 93.3 Real Talk Radio. Have a great day, a blessed week. Peace.